In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So we have been studying um, various religions and this comparative religions uh, series. And so far we spoke about Orthodox Christianity, we spoke about Judaism, uh, we spoke about Jehovah's Witnesses, and today, God willing, we're going to continue um, our series about the Mormon Church that we started um, last week. So, um, if uh, just as a recap, so we spoke about how the Mormon Church, when it comes to the idea of salvation uh, and the afterlife, so they they believe that um, there are multiple gods. Each planet has their own god. Jesus Christ is the God of Earth, and His Father Elohim which they call the Father, just as we say that there is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They also believe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but they don't believe that they are one God. They believe they are individuals. So the Father is a God, and the Son is a different God. So Jesus is uh, the God of earth. His brother is Lucifer, who is Satan. And how he came to be the God of earth was because uh, there was a council in heaven, uh, and so the father, he had many spirit children, the first two of which were Jesus and Lucifer. There was a council in heaven that decided that Jesus would be the God of earth. Lucifer was upset by this decision, and so he sought to cause all of the children, the spirit children um, on earth to sin and to fall and to become corrupted. Okay, um, This is their understanding of sin and temptation where it came from is indeed from lucifer but lucifer is the brother of jesus um so according to mormon teaching this world was prepared as a school where we have been sent to obtain physical bodies and to learn the lessons of mortality the mormon church teaches that god men angels and devils are all of the same nature but at different levels of progression it also teaches that man may progress to become God. So this is, um, we, we spoke about this last time. Therefore, in Mormon theology, those who achieve godhood will have spirit children who will worship and pray to them, just as we worship and pray to God the Father. So um, if a person is exalted to become a god, and that person becomes a god of their own planet, then eventually that person will have spirit children, uh, with a goddess, so the god and a goddess have spirit children, and eventually those spirit children can become incarnated to be actual people living on the planet, who will then worship the god who is you. Okay, so this is the understanding of um, kind of a state of exaltation and afterlife. This is the goal and the target is for everyone to become god. And as we mentioned last time, there is no concept of salvation by grace. Um, as we have in Christianity, it's all about following uh, the rules and the good works so that someone can reach the status of becoming a god. This has been taught by a large number of prominent LDS leaders, including its founders. According to LDS, which is the Latter-day Saints, Church of Latter-day Saints, Adam's fall was a fall upward, and it was not sinful. Mormonism maintains that Adam's sin was necessary for the propagation of the human race. As Mormon scriptures state, Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they may have joy. And in that day, Adam blessed God, saying, For because of my transgression, my eyes are open, and in this life I shall have joy. So they see the, the fall of man as instead of being like a fall into sin, they, they, they call it a fall upward, 
okay? Or that somehow this is going to bring joy and the fullness and the realization of everything because of the sin that they committed. Mormon writers go on to explain, Adam's sin was a necessary step in the plan of life and a great blessing of all mankind. Joseph Fielding Smith stated, The fall of Adam came as a blessing in disguise. Nor do I accuse Adam of sin. It is not always a sin to transgress a law. We can hardly look upon anything resulting in such benefits as being a sin. The benefits being the fact that it is in, 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 in the world is when a person is tested who can choose to uh, live uh, according to the principles of the Mormon church who c- and then can be exalted to be a god. So in that sense, the idea that the people are living in the world and uh, is, is a testing and proving ground so that they can eventually become gods, this is why they see it as advantageous to them to give them the opportunity. Adam fell, but he fell in the right direction. He fell toward the goal. Adam fell, but he fell upward. Uh, John A. Witso stated, Adam's fall in the Garden of Eden became a necessary and honorable act in carrying out the plan of the Almighty. Mormonism rejects the notion that man's condition is best described by depravity. Nowhere within Mormon theology is its optimism concerning man's natural condition more apparent than in this denial of the Christian doctrine of original sin. So instead of, in, in, in the Christian faith, we see that at the time of the fall, that humanity became corrupted and that we inherited the sin of Adam and so we are inherently in need of salvation because without salvation, unless we change course from when death entered into the world because of the sin of humanity, if we don't change course, then we are going to be um, deemed for perdition and destruction in hell. So the, 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 the work of God was a work of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ in order to keep us from going to this, uh, to experience this consequence, okay? Whereas in the Mormon church, they don't see it in this way. They don't see that there was a corrupted state. They don't see that the man sinned and fell away from God in any way. They see just that this world is a necessary part of the process of becoming exalted. Salvation and the afterlife. Mormon theology teaches that the atonement of Christ was essential to our salvation and eternal life with God, but that it is not sufficient. Christ's shed blood on the cross provides for universal resurrection of all people, but it does not pay for personal sins, according to Mormonism. Only Christ's blood shed in the Garden of Gethsemane atones for personal sins. Okay, So we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the Lord was praying to the Father and asking if there is a way for him to be delivered from the crucifixion. And he was uh, very distressed in this moment to the point where he was sweating blood. Okay, So according to the Mormons, the blood that was shed on the cross will, will provide for a universal re- resurrection for all people. So as a human race, we are granted resurrection to have eternal life. Okay, but it is not paying for the personal sins that each individual person commits. The blood that was shed that atones for the personal sins is actually the blood that was shed by Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was sweating blood. This is what they believe. Besides faith in Christ, complete and permanent repentance of all sin as well as many good works are required. Mormonism also teaches that one must be baptized in water to be saved. 
and that salvation will also be available in the next world for those missing out in this one. This is where we get to the idea of the baptism of the dead. Mormons uh, pursue genealogy and practice baptism of the dead. Why do they do that? So genealogy is important for them because they want to know historically who is their family members, what does their family tree look like. Because if there is a person who was not Mormon in their family tree, then they practice what's called baptism for the dead, which is essentially saying that a person who is still alive gets baptized on behalf of a person who has already died. So if a person dies without baptism, then a person who is alive can be baptized for them to essentially grant them resurrection and to grant them salvation. Mormonism teaches that there are three deg degrees of glory. There's the celestial, the terrestrial, and the telestial. The celestial is for good Mormons who are able to cease sinning in this lifetime. Okay, so the celestial is like the highest level of heaven. It's called the celestial. Anyone who is a Mormon, who abides by all the Mormon teachings, and who is able to live a life without sin, those are the ones who are destined to go to the celestial kingdom, the highest level, the highest rank of heaven. Then there is the terrestrial. This is for people who are good, but do not comply with all the teachings of Mormonism. Okay, so, so they, they, are, they, they are good moral people, but they are not abiding by all of the Mormon teaching. And the third one is called the telestial, for those who have lived unclean earthly lives. Mormonism teaches that there is a hell, but only for the sons of perdition, a very small number of souls that cannot be redeemed. Okay, so while there is a hell, the majority of people go either to one of these three, the celestial, the terrestrial, or the telestial, uh, kingdoms. According to Mormonism, then, most of mankind will be saved, though it should be obvious that no one will make it to the celestial kingdom, specifically because how is it that someone can live a life without sinning? If someone ceases to sin completely, this is what is necessary and required in order to enter the celestial kingdom, and we cannot say that anyone can ever reach this level. We mentioned last time the way that the Mormon church saw uh, black people and how originally they believed that the person's color of their skin was uh, determined by how they fought in the war that, ex that, that was waged between Lucifer uh, and the rest of heaven in the pre-existence, okay? So in Christianity, we, 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 we believe that there is a war that happened uh, in heaven between the angels where Lucifer has, and his angels fought against the angels of God, okay? And they were cast out of heaven and became demons, okay? But in the Mormon theology, they believe that all of the, the, the spirits that fought in this war that eventually became incarnate to become human beings, if they fought on the side of good, then they became white people. And if they fought on the side of the bad, they became black people. This is what they believed. Over time, and after like the civil rights movement and so on, they changed this view, so they no longer believed this. Okay? But originally, okay, when all of this was going on, this is what they said. Black people are black because of their misdeeds and pre-existence. This is a quotation from their writings. He is not permitted to receive the priesthood. This is speaking about black people and the ordinances of the temple, 
necessary to prepare men and women to enter into, a, uh, into and enjoy a fullness of glory in the celestial kingdom. In 1978, however, the Mormon church announced that God had lifted his curse from the African race. So even when they changed this, they didn't say we were wrong and that this was racist and there is, this is a, a horrible thing. No, they said God has lifted the curse. So like at some point, God had placed this curse and at some point God lifted the curse. Okay, this is, this is what they teach. Morals. One of the most notable things of Mormon believers is the moral life that they lead. The church encourages Latter-day Saints to create strong families. They ask all families in the church to set aside one day a week specifically for spiritual teaching and bonding in the family. From an early age, members of the church are encouraged to show their love for others through service. This is actually one of the strongest points that they have because it is, it is an expectation from each Mormon person that they are involved in some kind of a service from, um, you know, from, from a young age and that the, all of the families are very um, committed to spend one day a week uh, in teaching and, and so on. It is not uncommon to hear of church members providing service at a local nursing home, helping a family in need, sewing quilts or dresses for humanitarian aid projects, or providing volunteer work in their communities. The idea of serving is further taught through the service that members are asked to provide within the church. Teachers, bishops, presidencies, those who provide music, and those who assist the ward in any way all do so out of charity and none are paid for their services. Members are also asked to give of their own substance to help those in need. The first Sunday of each month is set apart as Fast Sunday. On this day, members are asked to go without eating two meals. So they actually will avoid eating two meals, and then they donate the money that they would have spent on those meals to the church. This money is used to help provide for in the area of those who have less, Sometimes the funds are used for a specific group of people or for a specific need. Latter-day Saints are always encouraged to continue improving and making themselves better. This is a quote from one of their presidents, President Hinckley. He says, may God help us to be a little kinder, showing forth greater forbearance, to be more forgiving, more willing to walk the second mile, to reach down and lift up those who may have sinned, but have brought forth the fruits of repentance to lay aside old grudges and to nurture them no more. In addition, Mormons abstain from tobacco, tea, coffee, and limit their intake of meat. So they, they try to live in a very disciplined way, in a very moral way, and they have a great commitment to um, the service of the Mormon church. How do they worship? There are two kinds of worship in the Mormon church. There's what's called the chapel worship and the temple worship. The chapel worship is the primary family worship service called the sacrament meeting. This meeting is held in chapels on Sunday and lasts approximately 70 minutes involving the whole community together. During the service, the members receive a sacramental communion of bread and water during which they remember the Last Supper the atonement of Jesus Christ, and their own baptismal promises to serve the Lord and keep his commandments. The sacrament is distributed by deacons. The service is led by the bishop and his two counselors. The bishop is the ecclesiastical leader of the local church and is a lay minister. So he is not an ordained minister. He is a lay minister. 
The service begins with hymns followed by prayers. There are several short talks or sermons given by members of the congregation chosen by the bishop. These talks range from quite formal doctrine, doctrinal lectures to more informal chats about the application of faith to family life. Talks can be given by any church member regardless of age. Temple worship is extremely different than this. It takes place in the temple. The temple is this, this building here that you saw in this picture. This is the temple. This is the Mormon temple. It takes place in the temple, unlike the chapel worship, which takes place in the chapel building. Mormon temples are used for baptisms for the dead and what is known as endowment ceremonies for both the living and the dead. Vicarious baptisms for the dead comprise a great majority of the activity behind temple doors. Mormon apostle Bruce McConkie explained the endowment ceremony as certain special spiritual blessings given worthy and faithful saints in the temples because in and through them the recipients are endowed with power from on high. So they believe that these are like blessing ceremonies that the Mormon faithful people will participate in to receive a blessing. Also performed in the temple are marriages, which Mormons feel will last for time and eternity. So another characteristic of the Mormons is they believe that anyone who is married um, can choose at the time of them being married to essentially be married eternally. So it's, it's like they can decide this when they get married. They can either choose to be married only, like temporarily on the earth, or they can choose to be sealed, uh, married eternally. Mormon families can also be sealed together with the hope that following this life, they'll be reunited as a family unit in eternity. A former Mormon explained an endowment ceremony. The ritual began in a small cubicle where we had to strip completely. We then put on the shield, which is a poncho with a hole for the head, but open on the side similar to a hospital gown. When we went through a series of washings and anointing, as various parts of our bodies were touched by elderly temple workers who mumbled appropriate incantations over them. Our Mormon underwear, which is called the garments, are said to have powers to protect us from the evil one. It had occult markings, which were so sacred that we were instructed to burn them when the, when the garments wore out. The endowment ceremony mocked all doctrines held to by biblical Christianity, and Christian pastors were portrayed as servants of Satan. We had to swear many blood oaths, promising we would forfeit our lives if we weren't faithful, or if we revealed any of the secrets revealed to us in the temple ceremonies. We were made to pretend by grotesque gest gestures to cut our throats, chests, and abdomens, indicating how we would lose our lives. So it's a very, very graphic. And again, like this is why we consider them to be a cult. So this is not just, you know, they, they portray themselves as, as a Christian denomination. They are very, very different from Christianity in their faith and their practices. Um, it's only superficially for someone who doesn't really know what is it that they practice and believe who might consider them to be Christian at all. We were never told who would kill us. The inference was, and history testifies to, that it would be the Mormon priesthood. This is the testimony of a former Mormon. Note that the blood oaths and the portrayal of Christian pastors were removed in April of 1990, despite the fact that the ordinance was purported to have been given originally by revelation and was never to be changed. So again, this was considered when it was found out to be uh, offensive, and so it was removed over time. In conclusion, the Mormon belief 
is very far from that of historic Christianity. And I think that should be clear in every way. The way that they see God, they're actually polytheists. The way that they see heaven, they don't see heaven the way we see it. They, we, they, they believe in the celestial, terrestrial, celestial kingdom as a ranking, depending on, 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 um, on who you are and how you've lived. They don't believe in original sin. Um, like so much of, of what they believe is different. Truth is eternal and it does not change. They have many things that have changed over time, whereas God does not change, so what he declares would not change. The Bible also makes it explicitly clear that God does not change and that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, it must be stated that the Mormon doctrine of continuous revelation, that God would change what he had previously revealed, is blatantly untrue by any standard and therefore has no place in a true Christian church. So, again, we believe that God has already revealed to us the fullness of faith, and our role is simply to keep the faith. Whatever it is that the church has, has taught, as revealed by God, we keep the faith from generation to generation, and we pass it down from generation to generation. We are not waiting for or expecting that God is going to reveal something new that he hasn't already revealed, and certainly not to change something that he had already revealed, and now it's different. This is actually a sign of a false prophet, someone who says something, and then it doesn't happen, and then they make some uh, explanation as to why it didn't happen. Like, we expect the end of the world to be at a certain time, and then when it doesn't happen, we make an explanation. So, oh, well, it, it was, a, it was a sp the spiritual coming of Christ. It wasn't a physical coming. It was a spiritual coming. You know, like the, we saw, spoke about that a lot for the Jehovah's Witnesses. So this is a sign of a false, false prophecy. The Mormon faith is polytheistic. Ask a Mormon to his or her faith, and they will probably tell you that they believe in God the Father, and his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Again, the way that they talk sounds similar. It sounds like they believe what we believe. But when you ask them who is the Father and who is the Son, they have a completely different explanation, which, again, they don't talk about this as openly. They want people to believe that they are mainstream Christians. Mormons believe that the three parts of the Trinity are separate gods and that they there are in fact innumerable gods and that any man can himself become one so over a long period of time of course as people die and are exalted to the god the, the to a god level and they go to different planets and more people are born there and so on and so on and so on so the number of gods that exist is cannot be counted god the father is only the god of earth just as every other planet in the universe has their own god Jesus is not the one Mormons are following, but instead Joseph Smith Jr., right? The teachings, as we mentioned before, is coming from one person. One person is the one who taught all these things. One person is the one who came up with this theology, and he said that he received it by um, discovering, you know, uh, like, like discovering it like it was revealed to him, but then there's no record of it. There's no other way to verify it. There's no other person who, who, who was present. There's no witnesses. It's completely only based on what he himself said. And so he, and, and the, the golden tablets that he said he translated that had a record of all of these events and these things that the Mormon faith is based on no longer exist. So there's no one who can even go and verify that any of his claims are true. 
So when you have one singular charismatic person who believes these things and teaches these things and all these other people follow, it means that so many of the people who are part of this church are not really investigating. They're not really going back and saying, is, is there any reason for us to believe that based on what? This is why in our church we focus so much on the history. We, we say, where did the church come from? How did we get to where we are? Where was the original teachings? How did we receive them? And how they were passed down from generation to generation up until today? And anytime anyone tries to interject something different, new, contradictory, we reject it. Right? We reject it. This is why actually there were ecumenical councils. Whenever someone tried to interject something into the church that was different or contradictory to what we had believed before, the church met together and rejected it. So here you have just one man who came up with all of these things, who places upon himself the authority to change anything that he wants, and subsequent uh, presidents, subsequent prophets who come in, in this religion, they can change whatever they want, and everyone accepts it, right? So this is also a sign that people blindly and mindlessly follow when they should be asking questions and actually trying to determine whether this, in fact, is the truth. And here are some references um, used uh, in this presentation. Any comments or questions before we conclude? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day, and we thank you for our faith. We thank you for revealing the truth to us. Help us, O God, to respond to all that you have revealed to us with obedience. Help us to respond with love. Help us to respond, O God, by humility, to follow, O Lord, everything that you have set forth, and to accept from you the gift of salvation that you want us to have. We ask you, O God, to protect us and to protect all your people all over the world to guard us and guide us, O Lord, in every way. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.